After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Well, thank you for that welcome. And uh, great to join you and everyone in the room and online as we look at part two of this series around the table. Uh, Pastor Dave got off to a great start last week by noting three things about around the table. We can gather together as Christians, we can invite others from our community, and most importantly, we can meet with Jesus around the table. And uh, I love a series that's focused on meals and eating. I don't know what makes a meal special for you and your family and friends, it might be something to do with where you eat the food. And I don't know about you, I love eating out. Does anyone else like eating out? But when I say eating out, I mean really eating out. I want to show you on Friday night where I had dinner. You can see I took a photo to enter into the competition. And this is where I had dinner on Friday. I mean, this is proper eating out, don't you think? Um, that is Ben Nevis behind, uh, and uh, that I ate out. It was sort of al fresco dining um, on Ben Nevis on Friday, and I'm in Peterborough on Sunday. But it's <laughs> I love eating out in the, in the wild sense. And this was actually an amazing uh, little illustration of all that we're capturing in this series, because on the way up the mountain, this random Australian I'd never met before called Peter offered us... Uh, I was there with a, a long-standing friend, so we were enjoying some time in the mountains together. He offered us some berries, some food, and we accepted. And so then he said, well, would you mind helping me up the mountain? Because he didn't really know how to get up. And there's a very narrow arete that he was a bit frightened of. So he said, come with us. So then he gave us some berries. I made him tea, uh, Yorkshire tea, proper tea, you know, good tea. Uh, on this mountain, and uh, he became our friend. Around the table, we shared flapjack, sort of granite work surface, really. Uh, it, we, <laughs> we enjoyed flapjack and sandwiches. We shared our food with Peter. And then when we got to the summit of Ben Nevis, I've never experienced anything quite like this before, but I took a little video of this. You can see here, uh, we got to the top, and the piper uh, started with Amazing Grace. Isn't that amazing? Amazing Grace on the summit of Ben Nevis. And uh, Aaron, the piper, it turns out he's a Christian, so we got to pray with him and his father and shared another cup of tea and some sandwiches and flapjack with Aaron and his dad as well. <laughs> I thought you might appreciate the view at least. So on the high on Ben Nevis, around the table, al fresco, uh, we were able to witness a little bit to Peter, who wasn't a Christian, about our faith in Jesus. Pray with a couple of people who were, and we'd never met any of them before, while sharing a meal with a long-standing friend. And I thought as I came down, well, I'll share that with you lot in Peterborough because isn't that what Around the Table is all about? We can meet together with those that we've been on journey with for a long time and it's special, and we can experience other people coming around, if you like, that table of fellowship and experiencing Jesus. Well, in the reading that we've had, that's exactly what happens 2,000 years ago with a man called Levi who Jesus calls to follow him. And we're going to unpack this story with those kinds of themes coming out of it 
Two surprises, two scenes to the story, if you notice. There are two scenes and two surprises. Scene one is that Jesus invites Levi to follow him, and the surprises he accepts. <laughs> and then scene two is that Levi invites Jesus to feast with him, and the surprises that he accepts. So we're going to unpack those together. First up then, Jesus invites Levi to follow him, and he accepts. We read in verse 27 of the passage, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. Now, of course, if you read a phrase like that in the Bible, what you're meant to ask is, after what, right? After this, well, after what? Put the text in its context. Luke 5 is a chapter in which Jesus has been taking the traditional guest list and tearing it up. Because the traditional, if you like, religious Pharisee guest list would have had all kinds of people on it and all kinds of people who weren't. And Jesus just ignores their list and goes and invites some rough, tough fishermen and says, come and follow me. They were not meant to be on God's guest list. And then he sees a leper who you otherwise would run away from. Jesus comes towards him and touches the leper and heals him and puts him on God's guest list. And then he sees a paralytic who's lowered through the roof. And this man would might have been deemed cursed by the Pharisees, but Jesus says, you're forgiven and blessed and heals him. Jesus is tearing up the guest list and saying that actually people who would think God doesn't want anything to do with them, God says, I've come looking for you in my son, Jesus Christ. What does he say? It's not the righteous, but the sinners that he's come to call to repentance. Well, the next day or, the, or after this, that's what's been going on. After this, I think Jesus must have been having a mischievous day because he came out and he, he almost looked around. And I think, I, I mean, I'm not sure about this. I'm reading between the lines, but I think he almost looked around and thought, who could I invite to follow me that would wind the Pharisees up even more? <laughs> ah, a tax collector. Perfect. You, Levi, come and follow me. You see, this man, Levi, was working for the enemy. Now, if you work for HMRC, I'm not, referring, I'm not referring to you. Just be clear about this, right? This is a different cultural context. Jew- Jewish context here in, in first century Palestine, they are under occupation. Imagine, it, imagine the Nazis had won the Second World War and we were now under occupation. Imagine how you would feel about the Nazis occupying Great Britain. That's how you felt as a Jew about the Roman occupation. And therefore, how, how much more did you hate those locals who collaborated with the enemy? They were taking your money and siphoning it off to the very people oppressing our, our, our nation. Imagine that feeling of, of hatred. That's the context in which Levi is sitting at his tax booth and Jesus looks at this local collaborator and says, you, come and follow me. And that is not just an invitation to follow on Twitter. (laughs) That is a formal invitation. It's the formal language of a rabbi who looks for the elite righteous student and says, you, follow me. It's a spiritual privilege to follow the rabbi and Jesus looks at the most despised person around and says, you, (laughs) come and follow me. Extraordinary. This man, Levi, has has a past that is one thing, but because Jesus comes into his life, he has a future that's another. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, he's called Levi here. His name will be changed to Matthew. He will go on to write Matthew's gospel as one of the 12 apostles of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Isn't that extraordinary? Absolutely extraordinary. 
Jesus invites Levi to follow him. And Jesus is inviting those of us who would think we are not on God's guest list. He is saying, listen, if I can invite Levi, I can invite you. It's, it's rewriting and reframing who is welcomed at the table with Jesus is in this passage. I love the symmetry. In scene one, without Jesus, Levi is sat at his tax booth. In scene two, it closes with Levi sat at the table with Jesus. What a beautiful transformation it's on offer to every one of us today. And what's even more, I think the biggest surprise is this. Jesus invites Levi to follow him and he accepts. Did you notice the biggest surprise possibly is this? Verse 28, Levi got up, left everything and followed. I mean, just think about that for a moment. He left everything. Everything's a lot, right? (laughs) Because he was working, he'd actually won a, a very lucrative contract to work for the Romans and make a lot of money. So he had wealth. He'll go on in a moment to host a very large feast spontaneously. That means he must have had a very big house and a lot of luxury. So here's a man who's got it all. He's worked hard. He's, he's, he's taken risks to get the contract, to get the security of finance. And here, in a moment, he left everything. Why? You know, we're meant to ask, it begs the question, why, when you've got everything, would you leave it? Well, here's why. Because everything without Jesus is nothing. Amen? You only have to have a bit... You only have to have a bit to realize it's nothing. Everything without Jesus is nothing. You see, it's worse than nothing because to get everything, Levi had had to sell his soul. He'd lost his honor. I imagine he'd lost friends and possibly family. And as a result, to have everything, he'd ended up lonely and anxious. And here into that scene of a man who's got seemingly everything and yet it's cost him everything here walks the messiah and says come and follow me no wonder he left everything because it's nothing without jesus i remember a good friend of mine from university who got a job a very very prestigious job at goldman sachs and i remember meeting her in london lucy was her name and i said how's it going and she said i i I," she said i feel like i've sold myself i i don't know who i am anymore (laughs) You know, you can do that in life. To get everything, you can lose yourself and lose your true identity. And when the, the only reason you stay at your tax booth when you're in that set of circumstances is because you feel trapped and you don't know how to make the change. But when Jesus walked into Levi's world, here was the one who said, I can be that change. You, come and follow me. No wonder he left everything to follow the one who gives us true life. Jesus invites Levi to follow him, and he accepts, scene one. But scene two, scene two then, is Levi invites Jesus to feast with him, and he accepts. (laughs) That's the the second surprise. Levi invites Jesus. Jesus invites Levi to follow him. Levi invites Jesus to feast with him, and Jesus accepts. Now, when we understand this text in its cultural context, this is an even bigger surprise. Because as we'll see, and as Dave unpacked last time, who you ate with was very significant. In fact, it wasn't so much you are what you eat. In this culture, it was you are who you eat with. And Jesus will attend this feast at Levi's house. Notice we read in the passage that Levi then didn't just 
invite Jesus. He also allowed his other disciples to come. So that's the fishermen and people, other people who hate tax collectors. And then Levi also invited all of his ex-colleagues and some other friends. And so we find in this incredible scene, verse 29, that there's a great banquet held in Jesus' honor. And there's Levi and all of his former colleagues and friends and the disciples. One 16th century artist tried to imagine this scene and paint it. And you can see on the screen behind me what he came up with, a scene that captures something of the, of the scene that unfolded in Levi's house. And for painting this, he was hauled before a Catholic inquisition and got in a lot of trouble because actually there's something quite radical about this scene of Jesus Christ around the table with the most unlikely kinds of people. So as we unpack this... Let's begin to think differently about Jesus and about the way that he's called us to enjoy times around the table. Four things I want to unpack just quickly about what this means for us around the table. Firstly, Jesus enjoyed the good things of life and so can we. (laughs) Jesus enjoyed the good things of life and so can we. In Luke 7 verse 34, we read, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus enjoyed food. He enjoyed drink in moderation. He enjoyed even more than those, the company of people that he spent time with. Jesus enjoyed friendship. Even in a world that's broken and fallen, we can enjoy the good things of life. And actually, when we enjoy them, we are actually eating and drinking in defiance of evil. We're saying, actually, This is why Jesus feasted and spoke of the kingdom of God as a great banquet. He used it as a metaphor, as if to say, despite all that's gone wrong with this world, despite the fact that the food at Levi's house that he ate had been bought with money of greed and exploitation, despite the fact that this world is tarnished, good will triumph over evil. Amen? And when we feast, we celebrate the victory of God in this world, and we prophetically declare that though this world has turned bad, we can still enjoy the good things of life. And one day, we will enjoy a feast in the ultimate kingdom of God, and it will be our best meals and closest friendship we've ever enjoyed will be but a faint echo of what is to come. When we enjoy, amen, amen. When we enjoy the good things of life, we are feasting forwards to that anticipation of the kingdom of God. And so I want to encourage you to not be shy of good food, to not be shy of enjoying time with friends and to do those things in Jesus' honor, in Jesus' name, for the glory of God. And sometimes I want to encourage us not just to eat the food, I find increasingly I'm doing this. I find I'm looking at the food as well. Now, I know that sounds a bit odd, and I'm not talking here beans on toast, but we have three chickens that lay eggs for us. We get three eggs a day. And every time I go and collect the eggs, which is rare because nearly always the kids have done it, but every time I do and I see the eggs, it's like it's a little gift. And it's a nice way of reminding ourselves it's not just Tesco's. Every item of food is a gift, and we enjoy these good things of life. I had a fig the other day, and I cut the fig open, and I just looked. Have you ever looked at the inside of a fig? (laughs) It's absolutely amazing. The beauty inside fruit. Don't just eat the fruit. Eat it with wonder and worship. Enjoy the good things of life. Jesus did, and so can we. Secondly, Secondly, Levi made people feel at home 
and so can we. Levi made people feel at home and so can we. You know, some of the best meals I've ever enjoyed are the spontaneous ones that weren't very well planned. Is this true for you as well? I mean, that was Ben Nevis for me. I'd never met Peter or the Piper or his father, but we had a fantastic spontaneous time. I don't know about you, but so often, actually, the best meals are the ones that were not intensely planned. They were the ones where something just was thrown together, but there was something about the occasion and the people that made it special. Levi, listen to this in verse 29, then Levi held a great banquet. When? Well, just after Jesus called him to follow him. So he had no time to prepare an impressive feast. He must have used whatever he had in the house, which in the days of pre-refrigeration and pre-Aldi is not necessarily a great feast, right? There's no microwave meals here. He threw together what he had And yet it became the most profound meal he'd ever experienced in his life. And I think there's a lesson here. Because I wonder whether a man with a lot of money in a big house like Levi in the past had hosted feasts to impress people. Out of his own insecurities, he'd hosted those kinds of meals where the main thing on your mind is, do they like my house and are they impressed with my cooking? Now listen, there's nothing wrong with having a nice house or even being a good cook, right? But there is something wrong with impressing people, that that's our motive. No, no, hospitality rarely works when we turn our homes into show homes. Amen? <laughs> you, you know, you can fake it for an evening, but, and I'm not saying, of course, tidy up a bit. But ultimately, the most wonderful hosts are the ones who just say, look, come on in. This is how we do life. You're welcome. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? And Levi, for the first time in his life, possibly, just let people into his home and said, this is who I am. And because I've met the Messiah, I'm not ashamed of that anymore. I've nothing to hide. I'm no longer acting out of an insecurity. I can make people feel at home because I'm not pretending anymore. You know, that's what Jesus can do for us. He sets us free from being too self-conscious and enables us to become great hosts. Levi made people feel at home and so can we. Now, I want to therefore encourage us, whilst it's great to be a foodie type if you are and to watch amazing cookery programs on TV, when it comes to this issue of around the table, we don't need to feel an undue pressure to perform because that can put us off either having people around in the first place or when they're around, we're so nervous about whether we're impressing that we actually fail to be just good, relaxed hosts. Listen, if you're not a Michelin star chef, you can still be a fantastic host. Why? Because if you are, belong to Jesus Christ, you can be secure about who you are. You can open your home with a new level of vulnerability and say, this is who I am. Come on in. You're welcome. And in Jesus' name, we can become the hosts that, that uh, Levi became for not just Jesus, but his friends. Well, Levi made people feel at home and so can we. Thirdly, Jesus ate with sinners and so can we. This is the real crux of the passage. This is what gets the Pharisees so uptight, if you listen carefully, is that Jesus ate with sinners, and so can we. You see, in this culture, as Dave unpacked last week, as I said earlier, who you eat with was as important as what you eat, because it was a sign of acceptance, of of being, of, of social recognition. And so for Jesus to be dining with tax collectors, and remember, in this culture, they didn't sit around a table socially distanced. They were on cushions, reclining. You can see an image here of what that might have looked like 
in the first century context. Now imagine Jesus reclining as one of these characters amongst many other tax collectors and sinners, and you realize he got close, upfront and personal. And no wonder the, ta- the Pharisees then kicked off about this, feeling that the Messiah should not be spending time with these kinds of people. Now, I don't know about you, but I've also felt that tension on occasion in life. Should I accept that invitation? Should I go to that event? Should I attend as a Christian the Christmas social party when I know some shenanigans will be happening? Should I attend the sports team that I play for and their social event? Should I go to this particular wedding or should I go to this person's house because they're not living the life that... And you get, as Christians, rightly, we face dilemmas sometimes. Should I accept the invitation? Do you find it encouraging that Jesus must have had those dilemmas? You know, you've been invited to a very controversial setting. Do you go? Jesus had that dilemma. Well, how do we make those kinds of decisions? I want to encourage us to avoid two equal and opposite dangers. On the one hand, separatism. We mustn't become a holy huddle. And on the other hand, syncretism, we mustn't just blend in or compromise. And Jesus beautifully models these. On the one hand, Jesus was not a syncretist. That is someone who just becomes like everyone else. No, no. Jesus was not influenced by the tax collectors and sinners. Jesus influenced the tax collectors and sinners, right? They didn't say to him, follow me. He said to them, follow me. And they did. So I want to encourage us, one priority when we're attending occasions that others are hosting is, is this going to drag me down or can I be a kingdom ambassador here? And that helps inform the decisions that we make. On the one hand, we mustn't blend in syncretism. But on the other hand, and this is where the Pharisees were in error, we mustn't become a holy huddle. They thought, well, these people are so terrible and wicked, we couldn't dare enter their homes or eat their food. We must stay pure on our own. And Jesus just crosses those lines and says, no, no, no. What does he say? It's not the righteous I've come to call, but sinners. And he uses a metaphor. He says, the doctor understands themselves to be available for the people who are sick. Imagine a doctor who says, well, precisely because the patients are sick, I can't attend and see them. (laughs) It's like, well, how is anyone going to get better if you won't spend time with the people who are sick? That was Jesus's philosophy for ministry. And it's challenging. It's actually really causing us to think, on the one hand, we mustn't compromise and blend in. But on the other hand, we mustn't become a holy huddle, just keeping it safe in a zone of, if you like, insulated from the real world. No, no, we must be those like Jesus who put ourselves out there in the name of bringing the salt and light and bringing the good news into the world. Amen? The other week, Charlotte and I, with our family, spent, uh, went camping with nine other families from our, the football club that our sons play for. And uh, these other families are not exactly living the Christian life, right? But it was absolutely... We actually missed church to go camping with these families. I know, shock horror. But it was absolutely the place we were meant to be. Because that's where we're able to bring the good news of Jesus Christ, have those kinds of conversations over a curry and a pint, That's how I imagine Jesus. He wasn't insulated and isolated. He put himself among the people who need the good news of Jesus Christ, and so should we. You're not contaminated by how other people are acting and living so long as you retain a purity of heart. You're not contaminated by others. You're the doctors. We're the nurses who are called to be out in amongst those who need to see the good news of Jesus. Jesus ate with sinners. And so can we. And finally, I want to draw attention to Levi. 
these four little principles around the table. We can enjoy the good things of life. Secondly, we can make people feel at home. We don't have to pretend or act up. Thirdly, we can eat with those who aren't living the Christian life and it won't contaminate us. Far from it, we can be the good news. And then fourthly, Levi invited his friends to meet Jesus and so can we. You know, there's something gutsy about this, isn't there? Because he didn't just invite Jesus round to his house. He invited Jesus plus all of his former colleagues. And it says there were a multitude of tax collectors and other people, sinners. That's gutsy, don't you think? That's gutsy hospitality when you don't just invite the people who are Christians, but you invite those who also don't know Jesus and you mix it all up and you bring people to a place where, well, I wonder what happened to these other tax collectors. Because all of a sudden they got the opportunity to meet with Jesus themselves because Levi took a risk. You know, sometimes I think we are surprised. We should be surprised by two things. We should be surprised how much Jesus wants to spend time with our friends, right? And we might be surprised how much our friends are actually interested in hearing more about Jesus. There's double surprise there. Not just that Jesus is prepared to spend time with Levi, but Levi might have been surprised that all of his colleagues came and they spent time listening to the teachings of Jesus, We don't exactly know what went on at the party, but if you know Jesus, you'll know he probably shared something of the kingdom of God. But the friends of Levi wanted to hear it. I've got a a, a friend called Joss who I work with, and uh, he plays rugby. He's a good rugby player. And uh, he, when he was at university, he was uh, playing for the first team at Manchester University. And uh, he felt really nudged by God to do some gutsy hospitality and to invite his rugby team to come round for pizza and a pint and to read a bit of the Bible together. He was amazed that the first time he asked them round, six of his team came round to read a bit of Mark's gospel and have pizza and a pint, right? What was even more amazing was that by the end of term, 24 of the squad, I've seen Joss's photo of this, 24 of the squad were sitting in his lounge reading Mark's gospel together with pizza and a pint. And the captain of the team said, we love this, he says, because it's the only time we get to talk about the things that really matter. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? We should be surprised how much Jesus wants to spend time with our friends, and we might be surprised how interested our friends are in hearing more about Jesus. And when we become hospitable, when we open our homes and our hearts, we create the environment like Levi did, where people around the table can meet with Jesus. So can I encourage you and challenge us, those of us in the room and online, let's be those who are around the table, generous and hospitable, and open our hearts and our homes in Jesus' name. And I'd like to lead us in a moment of response to this, and it might be that you're here and you are like Levi. You're that man, you're that woman who, on the one hand, you've you've got some stuff, you've got some things that you've worked hard for, but on the other hand, it feels like nothing. And you want to accept Jesus Christ today. Maybe you've wandered away from him and you want to come back to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you today. Today, you can put your faith in Jesus. He is your way out of being trapped in loneliness and the anxiety that Levi would have felt. He is our way out. Would you receive Jesus Christ today? I want to invite you to do that. In fact, right now, whether you're online or in the room, I want to just give you a moment and pray a simple prayer. Perhaps if you're wanting to receive Jesus, 
You know, Levi began the day sitting at his tax booth. He finished the day around the table, sitting with Jesus. And you say, Lord, I, I feel like the place I've started today is not where I want to end up. Lord, come into my life and change me. Maybe just reach out your hands wherever you are at home or in the room. And I'd like to just pray over you. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who are receiving Jesus Christ right now. Thank you that you are for people like us. You tear up the guest list and say, I want you in my kingdom. And I pray for those reaching out right now. Come into their lives, Lord Jesus. Forgive their sin. And may their future no longer be their past. Because you are our saviour. In Jesus' name. And for the rest of us, maybe today, Jesus has been challenging you about the who. Who is it that you, if, if you think about who Jesus had around the table. Who can you have around the table? Who can you invite into your space? Not to impress them, but just to welcome them in Jesus' name. Maybe it's friends and family from the church, and maybe it's those a little bit further out, like Levi. Let's take some risks. Maybe you're saying today, I'm prepared to take some risks. I don't want to say people's no for them. I want to invite people into my home and into our lives and I want to share Jesus. Maybe again, you could just reach out your hands. If that's a challenge today and you say, Lord, I want to open my heart with hospitality. I want to invite people around the table and I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you with fresh boldness. I see lots of people just lifting their hands. Just lift your hands right now if you want to just make that gutsy hospitality part of your life. Put yourself out there. Not stay in a holy huddle. Put yourself out there for the glory of God. Heavenly Father, thank you that you came. Lord Jesus, you came not for the righteous, but for sinners. You're not someone like a doctor who stays indoors so that they don't contract anything. You're the one who goes to the patients, goes out of the comfort zone. Lord, we thank you that that's what you're like, and we want to be like that too. Give us that gutsy hospitality, and may we be surprised not only that you want to spend time with our friends, but may we be surprised that our friends are more interested in you than we perhaps thought. So Lord, give us specific opportunities and may we take them in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this passage for me is all about celebrating what a saviour we have in Jesus. He saved Levi, he saved my friend Lucy, and he saves us too. So let's sing together and celebrate the salvation of Jesus.